During his rare free time, Ejlem explored the far rooms of the palace. He looked for books and artifacts to study, and found several libraries still intact. He discovered a small leather-bound poetry book written in ancient Edelin that he thought Fiona would like. He thought of her, and he felt homesick. Ejlem scowled, knowing he did not have the luxury of pining for his Fiona, so he continued his exploration of the palace. He soon came across the great forge, with the armory still intact, even after all these long years of idleness. Alinduil had told him to take anything he thought he might need. Whole rooms of armor and weapons the likes of which he had never seen before, had been stowed carefully away since before the great Edelith migration. The metal crafting was so fine it shone like new even after thousands of years of use. Ejlem filled a pack with several useful things, including some armor for Fiona, as well as a second set for himself. I need to feel its restrictions to be able to move in a fight, E.J. thought after he fitted on a jerkin. He was pleasantly surprised to find the dark leather armor fit him perfectly. It was as if the set he chose was tailor-made for his body. Later, he would learn the armor was enchanted to do just that. E.J. smiled at thoughts of all it took to create such things. King Alinduil was glad to see Ejlum taking his task to heart. The armors he chose were dark green dragon leather. They were strong as steel, though light enough for deadly movement, and the darker color worked for stealthiness. These were the armors favored of the king's fleet-footed messengers, and although they carried messages, they were actually spies. Their eyes and ears into the outer realms were the most significant worth to Elinduil. He smiled at the sight of Ejlem, handsomely fitted into the gear, and gave him his blessing. Do not hesitate to come back for replacements, if any should be damaged or lost. The king assured him with a soft voice. Ejlem thanked him for that. Once again they sat down to eat a breakfast, and once again E.J. was too hungry to ask how it got there, even though he knew there were no servants about. He knew the king could command magic, but he wondered if he was of divine blood as well. The only thing he knew for sure about King Elinduil is that he was extremely old. How is it you appear to live so easily during my stay here, father? E.J. asked between bites of food. You mean, how is it I do not fade away as before? The king clarified. Ejlem nodded. The king had grown more settled as the days wore on. He did not have the odd edginess 
Ejlam and the others had witnessed when they first met him. One does grow weary of long memory, my son, Elendil said. I gather my energy from many sources, but your presence here affords such succor for my mind that I feel the strength to stay. Besides, you need me. The king smirked as he reached for his goblet. E.J. could only smile at that. He was always happy to lend aid when he could, though he still didn't understand how just his being there meant so much to the ancient king. Ejlum bit into a small piece of apple and continued slicing the rest of it into thin pieces. How are you feeling? the king asked, not looking directly at him as he buttered some bread. At first I felt weak. There is so much to learn, but as time passes, I feel more determined, not so afraid. The king nodded thoughtfully at this. Ejlum looked at the apple in front of him as he chose his words carefully. I once made a solemn vow that I could not keep. E.J. stared down at the table and frowned as his thoughts brought him back to that moment in time. After a long moment, he spoke. I am from this mortal realm. Even with all its failures and suffering, it is still worthy of my best efforts, and wishing it was otherwise does not make it so. As their eyes met, the king could see Ejlum's inner strength and maturity had been somehow transformed overnight. E.J. put another slice of apple in his mouth and chewed it slowly. In that moment, Elinduil's heart felt proud of Thendil's youngest. He was changing into a capable thinker and controlling his emotions. The only thing the king regretted was not being able to teach him more about his lordling half. That too will come, Elinduil thought to himself as he watched the young Edel finish eating the rest of his apple. It was as if all of Elinduil's 14,000 years of experience poured into Ejlum's mind. The lessons went on as the king continued to hammer at battle strategies, enemy behaviors, traps and weapons, and stealth magics. And then they started in again the next day. E.J. had grown confident enough to debate the many ideas that came to him during their lessons. This evil is like a leech, then, using the dragon and my brother as host, E.J. said between steady, even breaths as he stalked forward brandishing his swords during floor exercises. Once Sermanos has fitted himself into the body, it is easy for him to use the vessel again, even if he should leave it for a time. It is as simple to him as putting on or taking off a glove. Elinduil whispered in mind speak as he silently sat on the throne watching E.J. practice. It may be found that he could be weakened if pulled between vessels. The king scowled deep in that thought. E.J.'s short swords twirled around his body with deadly force. Then this monster must be taken up from this place to be truly destroyed, E.J. realized as he said it. Yes, that might work, should the opportunity ever present itself, the king nodded in approval. Ejlum sailed over in a backflip as his swords found their scabbards. He landed gracefully, face down on one knee in front of the king's throne. 
You will have to find all the possibilities if you are to succeed. Alinduil waved his hand dismissively. Now do it again, the king commanded. Oh, hello. Welcome, boys and girls. This is Carly Bon. I am your author-narrator of the Tales of Eldalorn trilogy. Today, I am reading Chapter 40, Dragon Rise. So hang on to your chairs, lest a dragon swoop out of the sky and carry you away. And here we go, on with the story. Lord Sermano sat glaring on his throne as the priests went about their business indoctrinating new men into their fold. He scowled at them as they paraded by in ceremonial chains. Watching his priests was tedious. Humans continually find pleasure in their repeated rituals. He sighed. He was a god after all, but now it seemed his dragon power of persuasion was the only magic he could easily wield. He cracked his knuckles in frustration. Most annoying were the ever-present believers that gathered around in the shadows of the throne room. They skittered around, reveling just out of his sight. They are afraid to face me, he snarled, knowing he also had brute force and intimidation thanks to this new body. The bloodied men marched away moaning in pain. One of the priests offered up their tongues to him on a platter. He mindlessly consumed a few of them and threw the rest plattering all over the lingering crowd. They scrambled like animals on the floor, grabbing and fighting for the last morsel. The monstrosities were always pushing and fighting among themselves. Lord Sermanos stood up and went to find his queen. He needed another pleasurable diversion. He found her parading the halls as usual in her diaphanous clothes. Come, my dear. He put his hand out to receive her and led her away to their private rooms. We will soon have an heir to our kingdom. The dragon lord looked at her swollen belly and smiled. Yes, my lord, Nolan answered politely, and then added, I wish my sister were here to help me with the birthing. Sister, he looked at her puzzled. Do you not remember our sister Fiona, she said dreamily. Fiona, he said, focusing into the dark reaches of his own mind. Who is she? I demand to know. Sermanos was not alone. His captive moaned in agony, trapped in his own skull. Rovash drifted back to consciousness at Lord Sermanos's bidding. She is important, Sermanos hissed. I will hurt this one. He directed his eyes down upon Nolan. No! Rovash whimpered into suffocating darkness. Disconnected and drifting, he found sight through a window in a dark room. He came to realize the bright portal was his own eye. 
and he could clearly see the horror of his Nolan, her belly swollen in the expectancy of birth, her blank expression smiling up at him. Nolan had a deep scar on her left cheek that had not been there before. Roe could see several more cuts along her neck and arms. He watched as his own claw-like fingernail sliced into her shoulder, making her flinch. Blood mingled with the dark lines of a tattoo as it dripped from the wound down her collarbone. Sermanos licked it with his long, thick tongue, smearing blood across her breast with his saliva. Nolan didn't react to his vile attentions. She tipped her head back, watching with disinterested eyes. The sight of it coursed like lightning bolts stinging through Rovash's senses. Tears fell, almost blinding him. She is our sister, was all he wanted to tell. Fiona is our sister, he repeated, but bits of memory and flashes of her face came into his mind. I will end you. Leave her alone. I will end you. I swear it. Rovash howled in madness, struggling against the darkness that held him fast. Sermano smiled, having acquired all the information he needed. I will find your sister for you, my little queen. You only need say the word. The dragon coaxed Nolan for more information. Oh, yes, my lord. I would so love to see Fiona again. You know she's at our home on the cliffs of Velivar. Nolan smiled stupidly at him. You are so lovely, I could just eat you. He snarled down at her, licking his lips, savoring her blood. He struggled with his dragon's strong compulsion to want to break her neck and savage her corpse. This would have so pleased him right now in the moment, but it would not serve his need for her unborn. Instead, Lord Sermanos pushed his desires aside, letting her screams entertain him as he dragged her body helplessly across the bed. Paralyzed in a suffocating darkness, Rovash was somehow left aware watching the whole thing through horror-filled eyes. The Shadow Cult's priests gathered together to find a way to bring intelligence about the city on the cliffs to their lord. They found out the place was a military fort where men were trained to be guards for the Angheli kingdom, and that Rovash was their commander. Not surprising, considering this superior body, Sermanos thought to himself. He ordered his generals to surrender what could be found of Rovash's old armor. Lord Sermanos looked in the mirror. He thought that he looked convincing enough for someone who had been held captive. Behind him, Nolan whimpered. Her body shuddered as blood from a deep gash on her shoulder seeped into the pillow she clutched against herself. Do not worry, he glanced at her with a smirk. You will not have to miss me for very long. He licked his lips 
as he turned to go. Bind her wounds, he ordered her servants as he strode down the hallway towards the audience chamber. The shadow court grows. I shall return with your queen's sister, his voice boomed out across the cavern, answered by cheers from his followers. Lord Sermanos mounted the black dragon and after a swift exit flew into the night stars. He did not want to be discovered, so he swooped low above the forest trees as he headed towards the Velavar fort. Dakin was patrolling the far west ridge of the valley when he spied the dragon. He could see the unmistakable form of Rovash riding low against its shoulder. He knew Fiona would be in danger, so he urged his horse into a full gallop back to the fort. Rovash! Fiona bolted upright in her bed, her eyes wide with shock. He had stealthily made his way into the fort and found his way into her private chambers. Even though he wore parts of Rose armor, he stank. His skin was coated in something dark and his hair was loose and wild down over his back. Fiona was about to say something. Do not speak. He quietly whispered, leaning over and putting his finger to her lips. Your sister is gravely injured, and I come for your assistance. He plastered an odd frown on his face. Fiona's mind turned into thoughts of helping Nolan. She got up quickly and gathered her clothes and gear. Tell me what happened, she demanded more information. She hopped around on one foot while pulling on her leggings. We have been sick with worry, she put on her tunic. Her mind still felt heavy with sleep. If she had only lit a candle, the sight of her visitor would have triggered alarms. There is no time, he pleaded. We have suffered so much. Bring curatives. Nolan suffers so. Fiona was filled with a thick sense of duty and urgency. They quickly made their way out the door and into the open as they moved across the courtyard to the gate. When the night guards saw their commander, they saluted, and he saluted back. Sir Mano smirked at them through narrowed eyes. He told them they would be returning with Nolan, and the men nodded in understanding. Wait! Fiona halted. Do you not want your sword? she asked, remembering it was in his office. That can wait for another time. He grabbed her hand and pulled her forward. Wait! She hesitated, pulling back, feeling something was wrong. Your sister needs you, he slid his voice into her mind, soothing her into action. He grabbed her hand again, and they quickly left the fort running northwest. You come so willingly to help poor Nolan, your sister, the dragon lord crooned. She needs me, Fiona said, unable to stop herself. The waiting dragon came sailing down out of the clouds and with one swift grab carried them off in its claws. 
Dakin's lathered horse reared up fearfully and spun around as the dragon swooped down from the clouds. He heard Fiona's screams as he reined in his mount. His eyes were glued on the scene as the dragon ascended with its captive back up into the clouds. Dakin cursed, knowing they were beyond his ability to catch them. So he rode hard for the fort. The guards did not seem worried as they reported that the two were going to retrieve Nolan, who was injured. Though the story seemed plausible, Dakin knew otherwise because he had seen the dragon. Bring me our fastest mount, he snapped in frustration. I must find Master Ejlam immediately. The large red colt danced nervously feeling its rider's desire for speed as Dawkeen saluted his lieutenant in charge. He bolted for the path along the river that would take him to the Atumwood Kingdom. Oh my, didn't I warn you about dragons? This is some serious business. I sure hope Dakin can find his way through the Atumwood Forest. He does have Darjlin blood, so everything should be okay, right? You'll just have to come back next week to find out. Press the follow button and I will send you another episode. Thanks for listening. This is Carly Bond, signing out.